tonight we dive deep into this tight end rookie class some names who is this year's Jalen Weidermeyer that is the question on everyone's mind and to wrap things up we will also hop into a few of these new rookies and sophomore drafts on underdog fantasy although honestly the contest might be filled by the time we finish this show that's how it goes because you guys are sick let's do it Pat Fryer Helmo. <laughs> this is why. This is why I'm hot. Anita Han- Hanjob. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha play chase. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Canary's Tony? You can't handle the heat. See, it looks like we're finally at this point. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Look at these guys. Tommy in here. Tick, tick, tick. Going to be late. I mean, we started right on fucking time. These people are unreal. Do you know how hard it is to get Pat, $2 million man, to show up on time for a podcast? I mean, (laughs) having to crack the whip over here. You are not. I was the first one in the stream yard tonight. Let me push my narrative. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How are we doing, uh, Benjamin Gretsch? We're doing great. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is the – we were, what, like 30 seconds late? That's like the earliest we've ever been on time. That was, this is uh, the most fucking entitled audience in all of fantasy sports. You guys need to get a grip. Yeah. I feel like grip. we we had a good run of being on time and then have – I would say of late, you know, maybe we're 9-17, you know. Yeah, we got yeah. it. You know, look, it's February. No, it's March today. It's March. I mean, what it's are March. Gonna do, you know? There you, you can't go. expect uh, us to be to be, like, really on time in March. I mean, there was, yeah, previous March episodes have been Top Shot Brain episodes or we were on hiatus and decompressing. But, like, the fantasy football industrial complex now is just so ferocious that we're all, like, I had to start firing up best ball breakfast on Mondays. We have to keep going. It's like, it's not even a choice. You guys think we want to fucking be here? No, none of us want to be here. But you guys just force us. (laughs) I didn't write much the last couple off seasons. I'm feeling a lot more pressure. I wrote the other day. I'm going to be... Stealing singles is going to be a little busier this offseason, I, I fear. It's usually my time to spend with my kids. You guys are just, you know, cutting into that with all this. It's crazy. Stuff. I mean, like, the ADP, It's first of all, I, I do love that you can go and just, like, enter a draft and it fills in, like, two minutes. Like, it's not like, like, I'm used to going, oh, God, like, I guess I'll do some slow drafts because I those are the only ones that will fill and. You know, I, I can't like, what are the odds that I'm actually going to get one of these drafts that fills? Even the never too early's don't really fill the the fast drafts. But you go you go on these underdog drafts. If you want to draft, you're like, I'd like to draft in about five minutes. Five it, minutes from now, I'd love to be drafting. You got it. It's it's ready to go. <laughs> it's really wild. Even I, I noticed in the Discord because people will use the, uh, you know, we have some roll tags for when you're drafting. You can tag best ballers who have opted into that role and so people will be doing their cardio club drafts and it used to be like a thing where you might be on the stairmaster and you're like can we get this draft filled like i don't want to be doing too many stairs before this draft starts mm. but even like you said with this big board drafts like you get a fill in like two three minutes you're you're pretty good off to the races and it is just like it blows my mind i mean everyone's already talked about it. it's the same the big board contest size is the same size prize pool as the first best ball mania um wow and now this one i believe i checked today it's at like 43 percent. it's gonna fill probably within the next month well before the nfl draft like Jesus. the thirst for best ball stuff and we can pull up the rookies and sophomores it's obviously a smaller contest but i think it's at like 45 to 50 percent full and it fucking launched this week i okay i don't do... i haven't drafted a single one yet <laughs> it's half full 
Yeah. And you're, you're actually like real plus EV there. Like really I know, but I'm still I'm doing the research. I'm like right. working on my rookie research. I look up in the rookie tournaments already. Yeah. Full. I just want to go back <laughs> to your big board comment. That it's the same size as Best Ball Mania One, and on March first, it is forty three percent full. Yes. That is yeah. a fucking insane stat. That's two years I, ago, Best Ball Mania One, right? Or I I mean, I guess three off. It was the one Hertzik one. Yeah, yeah so, so I think three, three years ago. Yeah. 2020 season. Yeah, so 200,000 to first, 42 I mean, 2020, all we had to do was sit around this quarantine. All we had to do is sit around and draft, right? Yeah. Like, well, well, that was when... This shit has exploded the last couple of years. This is, I mean, I already knew that, but that is crazy. That's crazy. I want to get your thoughts because someone actually asked me this today. I was doing a, a call about something, and they were asking me, like, why do you think the thirst is so much bigger now? And I, I obviously have my theories, but what, why do you think it has been? Like, over these past three years, why do you think it's exploded so much? I think Underdog does a really good job with all the different formats, that their user interface. I obviously don't get to use it, but, like, everything I hear from you guys and when we use it on the on the shows, like, it, it works really well. It's a really nice drafting app. I, I would – Honest to God, attribute part of the last uh, two months' excitement this offseason that we're talking about right now to Pat winning the two million dollars. I think I think Pat actually had a a, a part to play in that. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that I, a little stamp on that. Okay, I think I think the biggest thing is well, I think there's like three things. One, there's big money up top. So, like I never ever played. Uh, maybe I did like a couple total over like three years. Those MFL tens, or you know, where you just like you're hoping to win a 12 team league and you draft a bunch and you kind of grind out like a solid cash game type profit. Having the big money up top makes I think a gigantic difference. And then you can also, like I was saying, the drafts fill. So it's like when you have the urge to draft right now and you go and you enter a draft and you see like you're one, you're the only person of 12 to enter the draft. And then you watch it for 10 minutes and no one else joins, you exit the draft. That the and moment, you don't try again the next night. You don't try I mean, yeah. And and you and the moment of the feeling of I want to draft now is less likely to recur because you kind of already know what's going to happen. So the fact that they fill, I think, is so, so massive. So that in that sense, it kind of really builds on itself. And then, like, you know, the app's awesome, the app's easy to use. That's if you go that's an ecosystem that's built up over three years and people know that I'm, i can get action when i want it that's great i i think that's a good point too the like the fomo angle of it as well like when you see people draft like i even broke in that i was basically i was doing slow drafts and i was doing stream drafts and i was like i haven't hopped into a live one on my own on my free time and then last night i entered my first one mm-hmm. like on my free time because mm-hmm. i even i Who's a fucking in, in underdog influencer? I see people talking about these big board drafts. I'm like, I gotta hop into one of these. That's that's good. Get You're getting influenced. I'm getting influenced. The, the barbers are getting, getting influenced. Yeah. I so I do think there's an element of that. And like you said, I don't know which one of you said it, but like it has become so much fodder for content. Like I yeah. appreciate it when I'm writing the newsletter. I'm sure you guys do when you're writing your stuff, where it's like the real market stuff is what's interesting. And I'm constantly benchmarking it. Like I wrote up Anthony Richardson the other day and how the markets have been moving on him. And like, I love referencing the 30 pick jump in his ADP. Like that's the tangible evidence that stuff is changing. It's not just being like, Oh, I think Anthony Richardson going to go high. It's like, no people who have skin in the game are actually chasing him up draft boards. And so I do think from a market standpoint, everyone is like wanting to have skin in the game in some way. 
Yeah. I mean, for the record, I'm very annoyed that I can't right now. Like, easily <laughs> asking of the game. I, I like these Wednesday nights when we do these drafts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think having it's not it's having skin in the game and it's also like it does the work for you a little bit where you're like, you know, it's like, okay, I'm gonna do fantasy football content in February. Like, what on earth am I gonna write about? And it's like, well, what if I don't like start there? What if I start with jumping into one of these drafts and figuring out who I want to take? And then that generates a ton of ideas and you're like, What's this guy doing here? He should be going two rounds earlier, and then you write about that. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. People talking about, you know, drafts taking a while to fill and, and Pat mentioned that as well. FF disguise. I think one step uh, as we go on is having shows focused on shifting our minds in the months from best ball to manage. I actually feel like we did yeah. a decent bit of that last year because even around here, we have that big shift because I know our July, well, specifically June, like we just drafted the shit ton out of best ball teams in June. Once July rolls around, we started our slow manage FFPC main event drafts. And I feel like we constantly talked about the shifts because we're feeling it ourselves. We're drafting these, you know, in conjunction and you're having to think about the differences in those things. Yeah, that is challenging. Pete, did you have any, you said you had your own ideas and you asked us our ideas. Did you have any other ones that we, I was curious what you had. Well, one of mine was like a bigger, I, I think Pat nailed it too with like the prize pools and stuff like that. And the people in the chat mentioning the app and just how well underdog yeah. has done of making it such a welcoming experience where there's certain apps and experiences where there's just friction to it. Like, it's like, Oh, I kind of would prefer to do it on desktop or whatever. Like underdog makes it so easy, no matter what you're doing to hop into a draft. And honestly, the third thing I just think is like macro. I think it's just the combination of the NFL becoming this, year-round thing right where they can have a prime time event out of releasing the fucking schedule and guess who now cares about that schedule being released people drafting in best ball mania who want to correlate week 17 like yep. i think it's kind of dovetailed with the nfl going year round that best ball just like naturally funneled with it and then the fact that you don't have any long tail of added work of managing it that's just that's so, a huge one that's huge. so easy so i just think I, it, it really is like growing in tandem with the nfl I think the the not managing, I mean, this is obviously not news, you know, that one of the biggest selling points of best ball is that you don't have to manage your team in season. But I think there's, you know, at least for me, three, four years ago, it's like, yeah, I don't have to manage the team in season, but there's this is a totally different format that I'm not used to playing. I'm not sure, like, you know, do I draft two quarterbacks or do I draft three? Like, thinking through and and feeling like, do I actually have an edge in this not because it's, you know, I feel like I'm an edge of fantasy football, but this different format. And am I going to put in the time to, you know, get to know it and everything? That is like the content machine behind this is like is in full force. I think, you know, it's easy to get a feeling of like, okay, I get it. I understand how to draft a best ball team. And then once you once you do it and once you, you start to feel more and more comfortable, then I think that the fact that you don't have to manage any of these teams is almost like compounds. You're like, oh, yeah. I have to manage any of these teams. Like I can just keep drafting. And it's, you know, something that you almost get more excited about once you, the more you do it, I think you, the more you almost get more excited about it. Cause then, and, then you start to think about it in terms of the portfolio and all that. Right. Um, yeah. That, that concept I think really fits well also with Pete, you were talking about the larger macro stuff and ecosystem of like the way the NFL is moving. I would say in terms of the way that we can get money down on NFL with sports betting being legalized, DF, I mean, like a few years ago, DFS 
was bigger. I think it's getting like like it's with sports betting legalizing, it's moving back a little bit. It's but it's still there, obviously. Um, and then the ways that you can do these best ball drafts, like all the stuff the Badge Bros do in, in season, all that stuff in season as well. I mean, I, I feel like season long casual leagues have to be taking a hit. I don't know that we have any data on that across the world because there's so many different sites that do them. But like a lot, ten, 10 years ago, that, that was what you did. You played a bunch of season long leagues, but like we've all experienced the same issue of drafting too many teams and then you have to manage them all. You have to run waivers for 15 teams, 30 teams, 50 teams, however many freaking teams you decided to do. And I mean, if you're a, a consumer now, you have the ability to sports bet. You have the ability to do in-season drafts, the weekly drafts, various DFS contests, obviously DFS itself, player props. Best ball makes a lot more sense than having to manage to do 100 waiver teams, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good I, point. I think <laughs> you don't have to deal with the in-season crap. I do think uh, the DFS comparison is, um, is relevant because – so much of DFS now is is more or less a solved game. And there's guys using quite literally supercomputers in Sims. And yes, we still have fun tackling it. There's still edges, very small edges we can mine. But for the most part, it's like, we know the deal. Like, we know what you need to do. Best ball still feels like the Wild West. Even just getting this data set. And I know Underdog just released a bunch of uh, CSVs and stuff for data from Best Ball Mania 3. Like, we now have three years of mm-hmm. data. It's still this unsolved game that we're all trying to figure out we all have our ideas we all have our opinions but we just don't have enough data to even know yet and i think that also adds to the enthusiasm like people are jumping in and stress testing their ideas and you can't tell someone that they're just completely full of shit if they're doing four tight end builds because like we just don't even have enough full you know data to be like you're a stone donkey like yeah we have our hunches but i think that's part of the appeal whereas with dfs like so much stuff you're doing like we can say right now if it's right or wrong yeah, and the interesting thing about best ball is that like the the slates like how like what is a slate because a slate, in, slate. A, in some ways is a whole year. It's a year. Yeah. So yeah, so you're able to like you know like Levitan and and uh, establish the run. They'll have the article every year of like looking at the the millionaire um, maker winners, you know, and they're like able to look at these like giant data sets of like even one season will produce, you know. 17 18 or whatever right. millionaire makers so you that you can analyze so here it's like one season produces one slate of results yeah. so like what if that year no one who knew what the fuck they were doing drafted four tight end builds like four tight end builds would look terrible or or three tight if three quarterbacks is not in vogue and so like you know a sharper group is but maybe it's a strategy that's underutilized but like the so uh you know if, if better drafters are are going the other way that might hide a strategy that might actually be sharp it might take years for sharp strategies that we're not using to reveal themselves is my point yeah that's that's something we talked about when we had buying for on either last year or the year before i think maybe this last summer is when we when we hit on this but something i know we were driving with him on and he really liked the point and was was kind of reiterating it and was this idea that you're, I think you're trying not to just follow the trends of what people have learned from last year, because what we know is it is a really small sample, and those are probably going to be overplayed. You're trying to, to to determine what people are going to be writing about the next year when these CSVs drop that is like, this is the way that we won last year. This was the new trend. This was this new interesting element to this one more data point that we got, because we are 
like if you're talking about like the life cycle of DFS, we're like three weeks in, right? Like exactly, like, yeah, we're three weeks in. Yeah. We might be more like ten if you count like MS. Yeah, we're more like ten, work, but it's like, like the Mike Beerses and stuff did before. A lot of people have done good work on best ball. Yeah, to give respect to you know, the, but it's the still the first year. season. We still have it through the first year. You know, you're in 2015, <laughs> yeah. 2016 DFS. Like you're not in 2023. You're nowhere near it. Yeah. Um, yeah, sacrilegious says the sim bros are arriving. We got one to two more good seasons of best ball before it gets closer to solved. I still think there's an element of it being a real time peer to peer game that even we're going to have drafting tools. You're going to be able to set positional limits better. You're going to be able to make rules like optimizer rules in the same way you can for DFS. But I think there's still an element that will be harder for the sims to crack. And it's not to say they can't. But I do think it'll still take longer than I, it has for DFS. I strongly disagree with that comment. I, I pretty strongly disagree with it. I think because the NFL, the way that seasons play out is incredibly unique. Because I wrote about this recently in, in the Substack I wrote, that we don't talk enough about the macro trends. 2022 was the best example of this. It was a season where based on the way defenses were playing, it's it all goes to the actual football analysis. But the ways that defenses were playing teams, they were giving certain things. I the, the way I described it, what I believe, we saw teams sort of be more comfortable doing the things that they wanted to do because they weren't basically being forced out of doing those things. So you saw really extreme run-heavy teams. You also saw really extreme pass-heavy teams. The, the Bucks had a massive pass rate. The Bears and Falcons were the lowest teams in, in pass times per game in a decade. In the same season, you had, you know, these huge extremes. That's just on passes and, and runs. But the NFL, that was a, a macro league level thing. And the NFL is constantly changing. Just over the last decade, we've had like d subtle shifts um, from, you know, 2013 20 to 2023. And so those 10 seasons of data, like you're trying to build information, but the, the parameters that are leading to the results are changing. From, that's just from the league level then there's the player level or like the the you know the more micro level for the actual fantasy picks some seasons all the top running backs get hurt we've seen that right some seasons the last two years we have not had as good of a rb1 peak right pat like with your legendary work jonathan taylor yeah. was about 22 points per game yeah he, he's 20, he was 23 through week 17 and and so was okay. eckler so both i would say had but like the five six years were the, the RB1 was 25 plus, two yeah. plus points yeah. per game higher. I think yeah. it was like five or six years in a row. So we're down two years in a row since then. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have the McCaffrey seasons. That's there sure. was the stretch where uh, late round tight end looked like uh, just such a dominant strategy. But part of that was just the hits of like Jordan Reed. The one season was a tight end one from late. Mm -hmm. And, you know, George Kittle was like the tight end nine. And then he ended up being, you know, it was his breakout year. We had a, like a couple repeat seasons of guys that were drafted late that were monsters, but really was like a handful of tight ends. Delaney Walker did it and uh, Tyler Eifert did it one year. It, but like since then, we these last couple of years, we've had nothing like that, right? And so for a while we thought, oh yeah, tight end's a position where you can get a top three tight end from the 15th round pretty easily because we can see the data from the last Logan five Thomas years. Logan Thomas had a big that. one that a couple years ago. Julius Thomas, yeah. He, Logan but, Thomas, but Julius Thomas. Too. Julius Thomas is a good one too. Uh, but like, yeah, it's like the data shows us over a five-year period. And then the last five years we've been here, like what the hell happened with Albert Oquigbedom last year? Like with these guys are not breaking out anymore. Another late tight end happened. Well, <laughs> I, I think that that's a good point too. And maybe 
maybe how I would rephrase it is less that, you know, best ball could get solved and more that people will be able to draft in a much more efficient way. And in the same way, optimizers had a have allowed for scaling. Like all of us could go make one really plus EV lineup, but we would probably spend us like an hour looking at all the projections, finding all of that, whereas someone mm -hmm. who spits out the SIM can spit out 150 of those or 300 of those or 450, yeah. like within split seconds. So I think the same thing will happen for best ball. Like we can still roll up our sleeves and draft really good teams. But when those people have the optimizers, set their rules, are able to adjust for correlation boosts, all this stuff, they're going to yeah. be able to max right. enter these contests and, and in, with basically in the draft. no additional time. Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. talk about the idea of not having a game plan beforehand, not just being, oh, I'm going zero RB and sort of like knowing that the draft has to come to you to a certain degree. And then once you've gotten to a certain point in the draft, knowing how to then close the door, right? Like you have to have multiple paths while you're drafting. That's as you were saying that I was thinking about, about that. I was talking about like, oh, if you go two running backs early, then how do you approach the, the back half of your draft? Those guys are going to have all the answers there. Yeah, because you able to. I imagine someone who's much, much smarter than me and can set all this actually, actually set all this up. But like you could have a tool where, you know, you're basically saying like, I, I want to make sure that I don't have like more than X percentage of any player. And I want, you know, basically I want this thing to give me a correlation boost based on, you know, some parameters that make sense for how much to boost for correlation. Um, I want you to calculate what I've spent, not which rounds I've selected, but but a more nuanced calculation of essentially how much percentage of my team capital I've spent at each position relative to target positions. And then also just use regular old projections. And like using those those things, you could spit out basically, here's who to take. Because, you know, if you're getting an ADP value on a guy you don't have a ton of, you know, and he's like, cross-correlated with you know he's a bring back on something you already did he's gonna pop and then yeah. you just go oh this is easy this is easy every everything every round and if you had a tool like that as you're live drafting you have a massive edge on it helps you create a better portfolio draft. but i don't think that solves the game necessarily doesn't yeah. solve the game but i think that maybe but I would prefer not to be drafting against people who are doing that. Sure. They're going to be way more efficient it's, and it yeah. is a lot easier now. Because that's what I'm trying to do in my head. Yeah. Right. But it's like Pete's saying with, you know, going and, and building a, an optimal lineup in your head. The the other thing, too, is it'll be a fun push-pull, right? Because the prize pools and the amount of contests available are going to get bigger and bigger, which will naturally bring in more sharks where there's big prize pools. People will care about that. On the other hand, best ball still has that dynamic of you are tying up your money for six, seven, eight, nine months versus like the turnover of DFS. There still is going to be some guys who are reluctant to tie up their money for that long. Knowing you also that have one, one big advantage, which is that the DraftKings uh, – it, it the the platform is just so ungod ungodly terrible that uh even if underdog gets solved we can always go over to DraftKings and draft to our heart's content <laughs> so when we think about the dfs life cycle i, I second ago said like 2015 16 but really like dfs started whatever 2013 2012 and that's when i wasn't playing then I, I know when you talk to like the kitchens of the world the guys that were playing way back then they'll, they'll say like if that's when it was really the wild west and then you get into like 2015 16 17 18 that's when people started figuring out especially like in smaller field stuff how you can like blend uh projections and do you know blended optimals and you had people starting to play certain ways that were sort of predictable but it still created room for 
the Leonis of the world who, you know, has done incredibly well leveraging what he sort of knew the original optimizers were going to run in, in, you know, like, or in DFS. Well, in, in the examples we're talking about, we're going to kind of get a feel, I think, these first few years. Like right now, we're still in the 2013, 2014. Then you'll be in the 2017 range, right? You'll you'll have people optimizing and understanding elements of it and the ways that, uh, you know, game stacks and, and, and team stacks and correlation became so obviously prevalent in DFS. It wasn't, you know, crazy Wild West like it was 2013. People weren't even stacking and all that. But in 2017, you had all this stacking, you had certain things, but it was it was predictable enough that you could make informed contrarian pivots. Like one example, I, I just yeah. talked about running back and tight end. One example that's coming to me as I'm talking about this is the big trend right now after last season is that quarterbacks need to go higher because quarterbacks started scoring a lot more. That's probably accurate. I'm sort of in on that. But we could have a season where all the top quarterbacks get injured or, or underperform or something, and something we get. <clears> but like that's another- that's actually that's that's setting too high a bar for what needs to happen for a contrarian pivot to to be the nuts. You just need none of the big quarterbacks to have a big week seventeen, and and yeah. it was a and and you're and the later in real fucking trouble. If you decided your big contrarian pivot was to build a whole portfolio of teams that is late round quarterback heavy, if what you just described happens. Yeah, late round quarterback heavy in a in a year with a draft class that might have four top ten quarterbacks. I don't know. Seems seems, seems like a good strategy. That would be yeah. some. For the record, I mentioned that because that'd be something I'd be doing if I was drafting a top. That's what I, I'm. I'm not. Right now, I'm not drafting any of the the one two turn quarterbacks. Um, I've I'm slowed down a lot since um, I last said that, so I've probably only drafted like three more teams where I faded Mahomes, <laughs> and Allen and Hurts, but. Um, but in general, it does just like maybe it's I, I've been playing fantasy long enough where I'm just like this feels like wrong, you know. And I guess you could maybe say the math says that it's right, but I, I really do feel like if I go into week 17 and I have a guy who can give me a spike week, and I have like 80. By the way, I have like 80 plus percent Anthony Richardson uh, in my portfolio, so you can tell where I'm trying to get that spike week. But if I go into week 17 and I get a spike week from a quarterback drafted round 10 plus and you got to get even if you get your spike week from your quarterback you took in the second round i still have a massive edge over you because you're the way quarterback scoring works is that your spike week's not likely to be all that much larger than mine you know it's not like it's not like wide receiver or something where you can just have or running back where you can just have a dude like scorch the earth generally it's like touchdowns and score 70 yeah. points like yeah maybe not 70 but that's that's like i mean like it can happen but it's just like it's more likely when you're taking it's not exactly a floor play but it's like you're trying to hit a double or you're trying to hit a triple when you take mahomes in the second round you're not necessarily like going to have this massive massive edge if mahomes goes off in week 17 yeah um well we are going to have plenty of time this summer to dive in. I know the uh, Hayden's already started to dive into the research. Nice little wink to the ship chasers in Hayden's article uh, yesterday. Uh, I think he, he lovingly said that we ruined the draft rooms uh, is what he was kind of <laughs> He doesn't at. seem tilted about it. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so yeah, we will be talking about uh, best ball strategy all summer long, but I did want to dive in a little bit tonight to the tight ends. I think maybe over the next few weeks, we'll try to, uh, you know, highlight a specific 
position. Ben, I know you've been uh, deep in the weeds on Omni, uh, but I think our guy Pat here, uh, you've been doing a little work. You hyped us up on some of the tight ends a, a couple weeks ago, but uh, you got a place to start us off here? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, Spags over on Splash Play is, uh, is really stepping on his game yeah. up with, with the rookie stuff. So that's and specifically with the tight end. So I'm kind of, it'll be kind of fun to, to talk to tight ends, but I recommend checking out splash play for some additional, additional stuff. Let's talk Michael Mayer to start. Um, I don't really know why he's not getting a little bit more uh, love. He seems like he's potentially like a very, very strong tight end prospect and someone that is getting treated like, you know, he's kind of, he's kind of fine. You can get him as like, you know, generally like it's like Taysom Hill and mayor are sort of your backstop options in tight end and underdog. And this is a dude who uh, was highly productive in college. If he, if he tests well in terms of athleticism, he looks like pretty close to an elite tight end prospect for me. So tight ends are much, much harder to project and predict, and they don't tend to do as much as rookies, but like, you know, I think he would be, you're not going to get drafted eighth overall, but from a fantasy perspective, I think he would, again, if he tests really athletically, I think he'd be just as interesting as TJ Hawkinson was. So mm. maybe that's, maybe that's a blasphemy for, for some people, but uh, I think I, he's, I think he's a very strong prospect. I was wondering about that too. Why I haven't seen as much hype and buzz around him, especially when you see where he's projected to go in the NFL draft. Like you'll see him as like a top 15 pick in some mock drafts. Is there an element to his game where people are, He's is he a super good blocker where people are worried he's going to be in line a good bit too. Whereas with Dalton Kincaid just feels so sexy as like the Jordan Reed, Greg Dolchich, like pass catching type receiver that they're more into that. Yeah, I think he's a more traditional tight end, but he he had uh 34% market share of yards last season and 41% market share of touchdowns. Uh that's a 37% dominator rating as a true junior so he had a legit breakout season at 21 and a half he had uh, a 25 percent dominator rating as a sophomore he had back-to-back seasons of 800 plus receiving yards so it's not he's not one of these guys who had like 400 yards and it was good for a giant share of his team's offense he he had 800 these, plus yards these are good tight end numbers yeah they're really yeah. good and even as a freshman he had 450 yards yeah. I mean, this guy from the jump showed that he's a receiver. He's going to have strong draft capital. He's going to be a starter right away. Outproduced fifth-year senior Ben Skoranek as a as a true freshman. Wow. Um, <laughs> he was also efficient. He had 1.99 yards per route run as a sophomore, 2.44 yards per route run as a junior. Both those are really good numbers. I mean, the, the junior number is awesome for a tight end. Um, and, like, I, I've – I've seen people say like, ah, oh, he's basically Cole Komet, dude. Like Cole Komet had uh, a peak of 500 yards uh, in his true junior season. He his peak was a 22% market share of yards, 23% dominator rating. I mean, he he peaked at worse than Mayer's sophomore season, and then Mayer's final season was far far better than anything Cole Komet did. So and when you talk about raw yards, Komet first three seasons had 691 receiving yards you just said my had two 800 yard seasons and the yeah same he, he, had 20, he had 2099 career yards yeah so it's Compared not really on the same yeah. yeah i mean it came out, i thought was a was an underappreciated prospect um but 
He might still be good level. for all we know. They threw yeah. like 19 passes a game, 21 passes a game last year, whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we can judge him from last season, but yeah. What uh what what spots would you guys like to see him go where he could get off to a fast start for fantasy? Hmm. Anything come to mind? Chargers is one that they're gonna mm, have to cut ooh. Gerald Everett and they there's talk they might have to cut Keenan out. Like they're gonna need reliable pass catchers. Everett, I, I think, is pretty much gone with, with their cap situation, even though he has a little bit of dead money. It doesn't save him a ton, but he just wasn't good enough. If they if they for some reason drafted him there, you'd think that he could immediately be a pretty big part of their offense. And it's a good offense, obviously. I like that. Um the Lions are at six. I guess that's probably too early for them. Uh, but they could certainly. The Texans? The Texans <clears throat> at 12? I know they're probably going receiver, but that would be kind of yeah. interesting if they went that route with the Dallas. Indian if they style. lose Dalton Schultz, I love that from McAtee because Schultz is a free agent. He might walk. And if he does, that's a good tight end spot to fit into in that offense for sure. Short yeah, gamer seen and mocked to the Commanders. That's interesting. What what do you guys think then about his ADP right now um, in drafts? I can pull this up right here. He is going at – where is our guy Michael Mayer? He's going at tight end 18 right after Tyler Higby and before Gerald Everett, Mike Gusecki, Trey McBride. Pat, what do you think about that ADP there at 156? I don't really get it. I mean – You think it should be higher? I think it should be higher. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's he's too easy to take. I I should check what my exposure is, but I, it's probably pretty high. Um, I think it's. Is he, I mean, is he a clearly better prospect than McBride was last year? Yeah, I think yes. Like demonstrably better. Demonstrably, I mean, McBride was a small school guy, and um, you know, I think it, it matters that we're getting Mayor out of this out of a big time program, and he's going to have better draft capital. Uh, and he's not going that, that much higher than McBride after McBride did nothing his rookie season. Right. <laughs> like, Potentially significantly better. I mean, McBride had uh, he had a thousand yards um, as a senior at Colorado State, thousand and ninety eight yards, thirty seven percent market share yards, um, only seven percent. He only had one touchdown though, so he actually he only had a twenty two percent dominant rating because he only scored the one touchdown. Um, and again, it's a small program, so. I think that Mayer is a much stronger prospect. And do you think this gap between him and Kincaid, who's expected to be the second tight end off the board, almost what, 50 picks difference? I assume you're high on Kincaid relative to this ADP too. So I'm pretty high on Kincaid. I'm pretty high. I like the rest of the class, but I think like to me, Mayer's sort of locked in. Like, he's going to be a good prospect. I think if he tests really well, then all of a sudden he's like, he's the type of prospect that we should probably be taking in the late single-digit rounds. Like, let me see. Like, I mean, he should be going, if he tests well, like, I think he should be going kind of in the Dawson Knox, Cole Komet, Greg Dulcich range. So around mm-hmm. like 120, um, something like that. So maybe it's not like an abs- – but, you know, I would say he's like probably going 30 picks too low – relative to like a solid combine performance. And I guess if he crushes the combine, I wouldn't like be, I wouldn't think it was crazy if he went, I mean, Dalton Schultz is going at pick one Oh five and he might not be on the Cowboys. The guy, the guy, the guy's career might be like in the, in the tank. If he 
doesn't go to Dallas, doesn't resign with Dallas. So, you know, if he if you were taking him, I guess part of it, I don't really understand why Firemuth goes quite as low as he does. So, but if he was in that general vicinity, I, I don't think there'd be anything wrong with it. Um, yeah. But the thing is, like, he was productive enough where if he doesn't look like the most athletic guy in the world, I don't, I'm not going to get like real bummed out about it. I think he's, you know, he's going to be fine. Um, even if he tests like is moderately athletic. I mean, we saw Mark Andrews didn't have great athleticism. Um, I care more about, are you a receiver who gets to play tight end? That's, that's the primary thing I care about. And he's, he's a receiver who's going to, you can also play traditional tight end, but I think he is a receiver. Um, he kind of clears that. Hurdle. No, this is, this is mayor right. still. Okay. I'm just saying he's, he's, his floor is higher as we enter the combine. I'm like, I know that no matter what you do, I'm still going to think that you're probably going too low. You're probably, you're somewhere between like a round and three rounds too low. Gretch, okay. hearing all of this, Real quick, where do you think Michael Mayer, August, FFPC, which sometimes people forget, is tight end premium? What round do you think his ADP is? I think it's so dependent on landing spot, dude. I mean, remember, I mean, I, I think McBride last year is a great example of once he lands behind Zach Ertz in Arizona, it's like, oh. I mean, we know tight ends is the toughest position to immediately make an impact. I think you have to – this all sounds great and I'm really in on it, but you do have to get into a spot where the team intends to use you right away, as opposed yeah, to sort of slowly fair. develop you, which does happen at tight end, even for prospects is good. Yeah. So, I mean, if he, if he lands in a spot, that's a little bit more of a log jam sort of surprises us. It's some team that wants to do more two tight end stuff. They love the player. They fall in love. They draft him and they're going to use him at, you know, 50% snap rates his rookie year. Then, I mean, he's probably going to go in the 16th round, you know, I, my my thing is, I think because he's projected to be a first round pick, and because so many teams are starved for pass catchers, and there's so few elite tight ends, I do think the opportunity runway will appear pretty right based on where he goes. Yeah, um, it's exactly. hard because it would take a team that already has like a really established tight end early, like making a bizarre choice. And you can go through all these teams like Chicago, Houston. We can, I guess, Arizona, Indianapolis. I guess you could skip Denver, Rams, Vegas, I guess. You know, it's just like none of these teams could you say like, well, they couldn't use a really good two-way tight end, you know? Yeah. It's definitely true. But um, if, they, if he lands on a team like Vegas and they're like, oh, yeah, we don't know how true. much more we can get out of Waller, like, then I'm not in. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, it's, that's tough. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. And, and it's one of those things where he can go on to crush – um, you know, like Hawkinson now looks like, okay, it, it happened. He's, he's awesome, but it took a long time. Right. We, we had to, we had to miss a bunch before he actually paid off. So um, I think it's just sort of like, there aren't that many tight ends who are even employed. Like, I don't get, how are you taking Tyler Higby over Michael Mayer? And I've, I was drafting a bunch of Higby last year. I've been in on Higby in the past, but like Higby is a potential I mean, they're not. I'm not hearing any word about him being a cap casualty, but like, God, he looked bad last year. And <laughs> I just had the flashback to you actually being in on him last year, which was he sucks. Like, he's <laughs> terrible. But <laughs> yes, that was my bull case was that he sucks. Yeah. But like, <laughs> and I was right. He kind of paid off. But like, 
I don't know. They can save uh, about four million if they cut him this year. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm not really hearing that they will, but he's not young. He's like he's 30 and he sucks. <laughs> so <laughs> what are we doing? Let, let let's Dalton talk a little bit. 30. I just pulled up his, his page and he what transferred from Juco. Is that right? And then he sat out his junior year because it was the COVID year. And then he played as a second junior in 2021 and then a, at least a fifth year senior in 2022. How many years of college did this guy play? He he's he turns 24 in October. Jeez. So he is pretty he's pretty old. I mean, he's like, is he gonna retire next year? Uh-uh. Yeah, and, and <laughs> I older than Vilas jumped. <laughs> I actually don't. I think Kincaid. So the rest of the class to me is like, it's kind of like the running back class where I feel like I I'm not I'm not sure like my hit rate's gonna be super high on which of these guys is good, but I think there's a number of them who will be good, and they all like they all look like pretty good bets. There's a there's a group that Kincaid is a part of, but I don't view him. I view him as like in the mix with um, Luke Musgrave, Sam Laporta, Darnell Washington. I think those dudes are all similar bets. And so Kincaid, you have to pay up for quite a bit more in drafts. Uh, and so I actually don't have a ton of Kincaid because he's the market has decided he's the clear tight end too. And I view it as like there's a clear tight end one and then some interesting guys who are kind of all battling to be the tight end two. And this is where, to me, the combine could really factor in. If one of these dudes like tests really, really well, like if Luke Musgrave like tests awesome and can tests okay, Luke Musgrave will be my tight end two, you know, because that'll probably affect his draft capital. Like I think it's close enough where you can kind of you, – you're in a situation where it's like none of these other guys will be my tight end one in the class. I can feel pretty confident saying that. And I should also say though, like it's not like Kincaid is, you know, cost prohibitive. You know, he's going at pick no, no, 200 and still like a pretty cheap range. But I do agree with you that he's by far kind of like the sexiest of these tight ends right now. And like you look at the Rotoviz box score uh sim comps for him and you get why people get excited. It's Greg Dolchich, Harrison Bryant, Jordan Reed, Isaiah Likely, and Brevin Jordan. Like all of those guys who didn't block much and were primarily, you know, pass catching tight ends that had like a good build. So like, I get why that's an attractive profile for people. Yeah. I don't, and I don't think he's like overpriced in a vacuum. It's just that like when I'm sort of looking at tight end, like, Oh yeah, I should get, I should grab like a, an upside rookie tight end. He's just gone. I'm like, Oh, it's fine. I'll get one of the other guys. So it doesn't, I don't go into my next draft thinking, I got screwed. I got to make sure I get Kincaid because there's like this whole group. And and I think the whole group is, is pretty interesting, but he's, cool. he was very efficient in his last two seasons. Uh, 2.42 yards per hour in 22, 2022, 2.09 in 2020, 2021. Someone in the chat asked where I was getting these stats. These are from PFF. Um, and then he was also fairly productive in his last two years. Uh, 28% market share of yards. Uh, 28% dominator rating, 26% dominator rating the year before that. Uh, that's from Rotoviz. So, I mean, pretty interesting receiving prospect. Certainly, uh, it's not like an off the yeah, charge receiving six years prospect. Older but... than the guys guarding you, it's, it's pretty easy. <laughs> but that's fair. But you know, the funny thing is, like, I actually don't tend to care as much about age at the tight end position because I feel like 
it's this like weird rare thing that we're trying to find guys who can do and so like if it takes you like an extra two years to figure out how to do it but now you can do it i'm like cool i'm glad you can do it as long as you've shown us the ability to do this yeah that makes yeah but you were saying there's a lot of other tight ends behind that i heard a little rumor that we we might have to and you you don't necessarily like Kincaid as the second ADP tight end because there's other ones, but should we blow up one one's ADP up ahead of Kincaid? Well, like, <laughs> should we should we debut the clip? Well, I mean, I I'm more I, I was gonna try to set it up a little more organically, but I, if you I guys try. just want to fucking try. shoehorn it in, uh, I do. <laughs> what who who's your who's your second favorite? tight end so my second favorite if the market didn't have a say if the, let's say the market agreed with me that this was the second most interesting guy i would be like i wouldn't have any push i'd be you know but because like i said it's this whole group i want to get exposure to everybody but the the guy that i think is really really intriguing is sam laporta he's out of iowa uh he had a 35 percent market share of yards last year uh 27 the year before pff has charted him with a ton of yak. He's big yard, yards after catch guy. Kind but of a, can he a hurdle? Uh, he, he can't. I think he can hurdle. Not quite as much <laughs> as uh, another tight end in the class, but he can hurdle. He bit of a shallower uh, ADOT guy than like Musgrave. Musgrave was used like a, as kind of a deep threat, which is one of the reasons I like him. And that's one thing Spags was pointing out, that he was kind of a more of a deep downfield guy, kind of like Dulcich was last year. I like that in a tight end profile. That's not Laporta. Laporta was used 7.1 ADOT in 2022, 8.3 the year before that. It's not terrible or anything, but he's kind of more underneath, kind of a traditional tight end that way. But he can get moving after the catch, which I think is is pretty exciting. Um, he's a guy that, because of that yards after catch ability as well, I'm thinking maybe he tests, maybe he's one of the better bets to test well and could end up moving up boards. Yeah. It, it it is interesting. Like it, Pat. It sounds like you're a little bit more skeptical on like the overall depth of this tight end class because now we have D- Daniel Jeremiah out here saying this is like the best tight end class he's seen in ten years. Or is that just such a low bar to clear that it's still not impressive to you? No, I I'm I'm just I'm impressed with this tight end. I think it's a really good tight end class. I guess what I'm saying is like I think that any of these bets beyond mayor is not, they're not slam dunk bets. It's just okay. that we don't tend to get in a given class. Like a lot, like I would say last year, we like Dulcich and McBride were probably on the level of, you know, Kincaid and Musgrave and Laporta and Darnell Washington. But there's also the chance that Tucker Kraft, depending on how he tests, he's a D2 guy out of South Dakota state. And if he gets enough draft capital behind him, maybe he bumps up into this tier. So there's like five dudes who are in in the same tier as Dulcich and McBride last year. And then there's also this guy who's one of the top, like a clear high-end tight end prospect. That's a pretty atypical class. So what? which side would you rather have? Uh, half point PPR points on underdog fantasy for 2023 scoring. You get a cohort bucket of the sophomore tight ends, whoever that ends up being, you know, the Trey McBrides, the Bellingers, the Likelys, versus these 2023 rookies. You get the top five, any of the top five, and you give get the, any of the, the top rookies. five sophomores. You're, you're taking the rookies over those sophomores. I'm taking the rookies over the sophomores, partly because, Pete, I don't know if you know this, week 17 is all that matters. Give me okay. the rookies because am I like how to – none of these – 
no one no one's expensive no one's expensive so i'm i'm getting attacked but i'm, I'm, I'm saying a... raw points you're getting the top five scores of the sophomores versus the no top i know five. Uh, yeah i know but like how are these points like actually hitting my lineup there you know if it's let's say it's across the portfolio it's paired with a mark andrews or a kyle pitts or pat fryermuth or whatever so i'm more it's more tight end to help me get there and win me the money once i get there type of bets because none of the sophomores are very expensive either i mean dulcich is probably the most expensive guy right and he's yeah he's going to the double digits so you're looking for late season help and and some points along the way but like odds are tight end's going to score very little points again this year so if you have guy these guys coming on down the stretch i think it's pretty helpful we got a, a great little interaction here in the chat. Went on a date with a Samantha Port- Laporta once. How was she in the blocking game? Yeah, the, the chat has Laporta <laughs> braid right now. She here. In the blocking <laughs> game? I, but, Pat, will you admit, though, like, as far as, like, rookie tight end classes go, like, how the season finished for a lot of them was definitely better than normal. The way, like, Bellinger yeah. had a role. We got Jelani Woods spike weeks, Isaiah Likely spike weeks. Uh, Dolchich was a consistent producer. Um, like, it was a surprisingly good finish for the for the rookies. No, no, yeah. I, I, I don't say that as a knock to the 2022 class, which was fairly impressive. Um, even Jelani Woods, like, I wasn't a big fan of him coming in. He he impressed me down the stretch. He looked, he just, like, kind of looked the part. And you're like, oh yeah, he is he is like a giant. <laughs> so that's that's cool. Um Daniel Bellinger like getting as many snaps as he got was like kind of crazy. I mean, it's kind of he's like Dawson Knox, but for the Giants. So it's not as not as fun, but still he goes really late in drafts. I like him. Chica Conquo would looked really good. So yeah, yeah, I do I do think it was a by the way, I mean Trey McBride, I, I was not overly impressed with this rookie season, but I think he's going to pass Zach Ertz with no problem coming off an ACL tear. Uh, so I think he's well-priced and I'm drafting a ton of Dulcich as, as no one is surprised to hear. So I I'm, I'm definitely still in on the the sophomores. Yeah. And I think just in general, my thing with these big board drafts and you know, why I like the three tight end builds so much is because of the rookies and sophomores. Like those guys are all, relatively very cheap and i think you can just mix and match rookies and sophomores as your tight end room like very cheaply while still having lots of upside yeah especially late season i mean you're probably going to eat up close to zeros for a lot of the year you know if that's if you only have the rookies and the sophomores because like i mean maybe not as close to zeros for some of these for some of the sophomores but you're not going to be crushing but a lot of people who draft a tight end early aren't going to be crushing either. That's what That's we learn thing, every year. It's like what you are sacrificing early, you know, is like what five to six points to all the non Kelsey teams on yeah. average. And like, I have teams that like, I'll have one, you know, I'll have like Dolchich, Trey McBride, and then a Kincaid. Like I have lots of builds like that. And I'm just like, not worried yeah, I like that. about those groups, like sinking me at tight end. Yeah. Um, what about Luke Musgrave? Someone in the chat was asking about him. He's the other name I kind of see bandied about there with the rookie tight ends. So Musgrave, I've given Spags a couple of shout outs, but he this was he had a tweet on uh Musgrave that got me like to look at him harder again because I was like, because he was pointing out the deep threat thing, which I so I talked about like I really care about these tight ends and whether or not they can actually play receiver. Um I especially like if they can get downfield. I think that's 
generally, if you look at some of the top tight ends for fantasy, they tend to have higher A dots. And I think that being able to play downfield receiver out of the tight end position is like maybe the most rare thing. And so the fact that he's doing that, he's like a legit seam stretcher is, is pretty exciting. Um, he had a little bit of a shaky production profile this past season. He had 169 yards in just two games. That's the 33% uh, market share of yards. I mean, he was crushing in those two games, but unfortunately only got the two games. And then um, he had a much quieter 2021, only 17% yardage share, 14% dominated rating. So that's like, that makes me a little nervous. He was also, his efficiency was much, much stronger in those two games, 3.38 yards per out run, only 1.23 before that, uh, 1.38 for his career, which isn't all that great. So I would say he's like maybe a little more boom bust, but like if he's a downfield seam stretcher type dude, he could be fun. I wonder if he's like is maybe that... Gasicki-esque ultimately. Mm. Is the target spot run in Spegs thing, is that for his whole career? It looks like he only had 22 catches in 10 games as a junior. Is that just like the senior year that you talked about the two game sample? Two-game sample, he had 3.38 yards per outrun. But in his junior year, where, you talk, where you're saying the um, he only had 22 catches, he he had just 1.23 yards per outrun, which is not good. So his targets per outrun went over 30% his junior year. Uh, couldn't have been. Yeah. No, I can – I'll do that. They don't list it, but uh, it, he had 37 targets in 247 routes. That's the- 15%. The box score scout Sims names for him are a pretty mixed bag. You do have Greg Dolchitz at the top, and then you have Clive Walford, Bryce Hopkins, Troy Fumagalli, and Ed Dixon. Um, so not the most inspiring yeah. group of names on him. Yeah, he feels a little more boom bust to me. Um, but whatever, you're getting him so late. Like, yeah, of course he's boom bust. <laughs> uh, Guys, I have an, an important announcement I, I've uh, put on the AJ Brown just tweeted his DMs with Juju. I don't play them kids' games. If you want to see me, I'm with it. You better go to Cabo and Joey Ring and stop fucking with me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, God, will you go? Can you do something real quick? What was the timestamp on this message? 958. I'm just wondering, like, how quickly he posted this screenshot after sending Juju. So I'm in a different time zone, obviously. Okay. This so is he posted like four this minutes. Is 6.58 after. my time. He's Eastern yeah. time. He's posted yeah, four, four minutes, minutes later. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. I love how he just immediately doxed his like, own DM. Uh, yeah, he doxed his point. own DM. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. I'm taking That's this so funny. It, uh, and then he tagged him in a reply just now. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, I can't think of any other tight ends. I feel like we covered all the interesting tight ends. You think we covered? Uh, should we should we talk Tucker Craft? Is that who you meant? Who Is Tucker Craft or? in there? Uh, any any other names? Um, I want the hurdles. It... Oh, you mean Mister Darnell Washington? So what? Is, Is Darnell Kubrick... Washington available? Put Darnell Washington in the queue. This guy, you guys are gonna like him. This dude is massive. Oh shit! This dude is fucking massive. And every successful person has to do, including you. Every successful person 
in this world has jumped. That's oh my god! <laughs> I, was, I didn't know where Steve Harvey was going there. That clip. I didn't know where he was going the first time I watched it too, but I decided <laughs> to stay the course. Uh, jumped. <laughs> so who good. made that? Let's let's so, show. So uh, it's C One Rock. I don't know if you're in the chat tonight, uh, but oh, here he is. Uh, he, he's talking about the AJ Brown tweet, but uh, this is our guy behind the Dardell Washington slid into my DMs last night. I want everyone to know he did get the Peter Overzet directorial treatment. We went back and forth on a few rounds of edits and uh, we did lay yeah, Don't feel bad if your clip gets edited down because uh, my clip got I edited did, down. Ben's well, I didn't even down. get it back and forth. He just edited mine and then sent it out. <laughs> it was just, that's it. I didn't get a directorial anything. I mean, here's the thing. When he said it over, it was 58 seconds. And I was like, buddy, we got to tighten this up because <laughs> Here's the thing. Unless the clip is comically long, like J.J. Taylor, it's not going to get played that much. What? But if we can get it down to the 30 to 35 second range, it can uh, live in infamy and play on repeat. Uh, Did on J.J. Taylor make the XFL or USFL? You know, I haven't seen him pop around. Uh, I yes. <laughs> I love that clip so much. We like, I go get a beer. It's actually like my favorite clip. We get up from the computer. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I will, I'll reiterate my offer and I still need to send C1 a gift card. If you make a good highlight clip for us, for a player that we have talked about and has the potential to be coronated by ship chasing and you make a good clip, I will send you a gift card to get some ship chasing merch, but I'm telling you, you can't half-ass this and I will give you edits. You got to have a, you got to have a stomach for it. I'll come at your work and you got to take notes. Like at the end I said, Hey, C1, I need a Ken Burns zoom on that still image of Darnell Washington. He goes, I've never done that before. And I said, fucking get in the lab and make it happen. And he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kevin, Kevin is right. I didn't have to touch the David Bell clip. That one was hot and ready. Uh, that was right out of the gate. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the best clip. That's, <laughs> that's an the unedited clip for real? You got to clear that. I'm not releasing the yes, release it. Release it. <laughs> we need the C Rock cut. You guys act like there's like pictures of hot chicks in there that I had removed, guys. <laughs> it was just a slower moving thing of what you just saw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, apparently, you're on the clock in Omni right now, Pat. Oh. He's Do I have a two minute break to go Omni. pick Omni? Uh, uh, it's dialed in. I'm dialed in on the show. Ste Stephanie is on to me. The JJ Taylor clip was always just shoehorned in there to allow us to go to the restroom on marathon streams. <laughs> the amount of times I have peed while listening to JJ Taylor <laughs> yeah. highlights in my head. Listen to that guy. <laughs> oh, JJ Taylor. <laughs> Took me about 10 minutes to figure out a second zoom. Uh, that's the thing. I'm, I'm going to, you know, you guys all learn additional skills by being. Yeah, it sounds like it. There's, there's like some <laughs> coaching going on. Um, you guys want to rip a, a rookies and sophomores draft here? Yeah, let's yeah. do it. Shout and out you, to Kevin for an unedited clip. I mean, that is that is impressive. That, I mean, it was fresh. What, what, I mean, you're you're making Gretch get in his head about his edit here. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll never um, let that down. The good thing is he wasn't very good as a rookie. Also, we had his name wrong. We don't, I mean, I'll try again at some point this year. Maybe get a, get a clip right. <laughs> um, that's a I good question like about the, we never have to play the, that clip again. 
about the copyright music. Um, I'll have to see if this one demonetize us. My thing is, if it's a transcendent clip, we're willing to get demonetized for it. But if you come in here with a weak ass clip that also has copyright music, <laughs> that's gonna be a no for me, dog. Wow. So that's. I mean, it's gonna be tough, you know. If if you're like, hey man, you got you got to change the music. I mean, that's you know that's communicating. That's. But oh, you know, the, see that clip specifically. That music was intentional. You needed the jump. Yeah. Um. It was. Yeah. It had a purpose, and I appreciated that. Um, rookies and sophomores is almost halfway full, and this contest launched like two days ago. This um, is crazy. Have you done any of these, Pat? I haven't done any. So in terms of the structure, like what's the – Influencer 101. So, so yeah, it's QB – you start one QB, one running back, two flex – or sorry, two wide receiver tight end, one flex – seven bench and really the only position where you feel the scarcity is quarterback. Sure. Um, there's like, I mean like Taekwon Thornton is free in this contest to give you an idea of like wide receiver okay. stuff. There's all kinds of fun running backs, but quarterback, Kenny Pickett, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Sam Howell, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Brock, pretty Ritter are not strong. So that gets thin. So yeah. is it's how much you want to push it. I've been mainly doing like three, kind of later QBs um, because I've been having a hard time pulling the trigger on like Pickett and Bryce Young over guys like Drake London and 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 stuff. But I do think it is possible you can like do well in this or win this with pretty limited quarterback points, right? Yeah. Yeah. Not extremely likely. One of these rookies probably going to play quite a bit and just having points would be big, but yeah. Does anyone want to, how close is Garrett Wilson over Bijan for you guys? Not that close. Yeah, it's close, okay. but I mean the running backs. I mean, it is actually a format where the the running back is going to be more shallow. I mean, I, there's lots of guys I like late as kind of dart throw types, but I love me some Garrett Wilson. But I was going to ask about the QBs with the scarcity. Like you, do you see those them go one on one sometimes or first round? Not people aren't taking him over over Bijan. Um, the nice thing about the running back too, and when you get like the stud like Bijan, is I do think like the the most optimal strategy is like two running back, three quarterback, five wide receivers, mm-hmm. or sorry, seven wide receivers. Uh, yeah, so two, three, seven, and just load up on on all the pass catchers and just rock because you only have to start one running back weekly in this, and so if you have Bijan and another. You're in pretty good shape. So, what do you guys think here? We got Kenny Pickett, Christian Watson, JSN, Gibbs, and we pick. I kind of like Pickett, to be honest. Yeah, yeah he's, gonna I mean, he's gonna start. It's he's it's, gonna start. It's it's the scarce position. Let's get the points. I and could then, almost go Pickett Stroud and be like, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna just." I'd rather push in and try to get try to get one of the other rookies than sure. Stroud. Um, yeah, I. Well, Pickett, you could stack with Pickens. You can stack yeah. that with Pickens. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I definitely normally or take Gibbs. Watson, but uh, Gibbs or, or Pickens, I think, would be the other. That would make sense. I kind of like the stack. I mean, we've got to get – we've got to win some money up top. These aren't my favorite players by any means, but – or yeah, I would do we, JSN would be the JSN other. JSN and Gibbs are the other two. I'm looking at – I'm not I'm, – I'm a little – Let's go JSN, man. Low he's man he's fun. Christian Watson. You're 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 out on Christian Watson or not? Out I just said I, I was going to be low man, but not. I'm not out on him. No, no. Yeah. I'm not out on him either. But I don't like if 
if Jordan Love is the quarterback there, I mean, like the, 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 the one game ass. Jordan Love played, right. he immediately threw a touchdown to Christian Watson. I know, but oh, that one touchdown. <laughs> you know, Jordan Love's gonna suck. That, well, but it, what sample size are you using to be down on Jordan Love? He hasn't played. The sample size if they draft him with a first round pick and then we're like, oh God, what have we done? Let's resign Rodgers. I mean, how it, long though. did Rodgers sit behind Brett Favre? Oh wow! <laughs> wow! I, I I think I'm gonna be the high guy, high man. Okay, on Love it here. sounds like it. Yeah. Well, he just, I, he just I, I'm not out on Love and Favre. I'm not. I'm not I, I mean, I guess I'm like pretty skeptical. Um, I'm not convinced uh, Christian Watson. I mean, we're we're for good. sure taking Traylon Burks with one of these two. Oh picks. yeah, and Jameson oh, yeah. Williams with the other one. Also, I like Quentin Johnson. I think better than Jameson Williams. Williams. Yeah. I don't Jared know about Quinn threat. Johnson, don't. apparently. I mean, Qu- Quinn Johnson could be a top 15 pick, what, but I guess Thomas Top 15 Williams pick, so productive underclassman, right? has size, James, thought to be athletic. Jamison Williams didn't get to run a whole lot of routes. He was a top 10 pick and was, like, scoring touchdowns or, or getting open deep. Like, it seemed like every time he was running a route, I mean, he looked no, good. No, I know. Very he's very good. Sample. Yeah, I, I don't think he's crazy or anything. I just I prefer Johnson, I think. I'm not going to have a lot of Jamison Williams if he keeps going. Where he's going. Sorry, what did we decide going? on? We're split. okay going Williams if you want to go. Yeah, let's do you, Williams. You choose. Williams. I like Williams. Um, let's see here. So TTP, Damian Pierce. There, that doesn't seem bad at all. No. Um. So only only three cute quarterbacks gone. So we got a Bryce Young, CJ Stroud. No, that's great. Right? I don't like yeah. Damian Pierce, and that's great. So are you, I mean, Damian Pierce played well rookie year, going to hopefully get an offensive upgrade, right? They're probably going to, they're going to draft a QB, probably draft a wide receiver in the first round. What's, what's the bear case on Damian? Because I don't find his price in even big boards to be that cost prohibitive. He's no, going I, in like the sixth and seventh round. That seems fine. He seems like a guy that like three years ago would have been going in the fourth round and yeah. I would have been like gross. But he's yeah. going in like the seventh or the late sixth, and I think it's totally fine. I mean, yep. I think in general the Texans are underpriced. Like, you can get Nico Collins super late. I've talked about this on the show, and you know maybe they take a receiver really early. But like, who who cares? Like Nico Collins will probably be their wide receiver two. John Mechie is very cheap, is potentially the wide receiver three. I'm assuming Brandon Cooks isn't there. Uh, yeah, but I th- I like Brandon Cooks where he's going because I don't if he does play for the Texans, I think he'll be productive there. They're gonna they're getting a new offensive system. It's a Shanahan style system. A quarterback upgrade. I think they're all underpriced. Um, what did we get boxed we out of quarterback here? Did did Levis go? Levis yeah, went. Levis Anthony went. Richardson went. Um, yeah. these are really the only three usable I quarterbacks. Think, Hal Brock. I think Hal's worth making a bet yeah. on. He's not like a great I do too. pick, but yeah, like, he's I not agree. like a great lock to to keep his job. But he's worth worth betting on. How? And I think Pacheco did enough late. What about Cook? Super Bowl. Well, Cook is a good option too. Yeah. Well, I was I gonna like, say it's, I like it's our boy Rashad. In this oh yeah. Okay. 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 All good. right. I'm back in. Yeah. Well, that, that's the clip we need to roll. Where's the Where's the yeah. clip for Rashad? Well, I mean, I don't. I'm just wondering. This ADP, I don't think has really budged um, since that happened. And I'm just curious how much you guys think he should be pushed up. He should definitely be ahead of Brian Robinson. Yeah. I mean. Pacheco and him, I would I would take more Pacheco. I would. Yeah, I think James Cook would still should still probably go ahead just because if Singletary doesn't come back, like Cook's going to be a very, I mean, 
Cook they're going to use get into the fifth gonna, round, right? I think Singletary is back because no one's going to pay Singletary big money. Like it's one of those ones that makes too much sense for him to come back. But even if he's not, they're going to find someone else. They're going to use multiple backs. The Bills have done that. I, I still think Cook's going to have value, but like I don't think you're going to get what you're kind of leaning into that Singletary will be gone and he's going to get a ton of work. I, I don't. That seems that would surprise me. He's a second round pick and he's clearly more talented than the other guy. And if Singletary they don't, like was one of those too. Things, and they always like Singletary, but they always he was limited a third round pick. Um, so so Pacheco pick. does fall all the way back here. I'm fine to do that if we like him. Although I want to be done. I, I'm good with three it. running backs. Yeah, let's do let's do three running Singletary backs. Singletary was a third round pick. That's bullshit. I thought I was right about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you throw up the dubs. Uh, Alec Pierce Dolchich, uh, some guy named Sky Moore. Uh, I mean, we just took Pacheco, we got to stack up that uh, that KC. I mean, it's a stack, dude. <laughs> I'm not playing the clip though. <laughs> no, come on, you got to play the clip. Now, the clip we drafted Sky for, Moore, did you have to play the clip? It, it's for 18 round drafts, only. it's the sickest fucking name ever. All right, Pete, I'm gonna log in the stream yard. You're gonna have to send me a code. <laughs> <laughs> I already, you guys already, Play the you clip. Know, I had to slow roll the Darnell Washington uh, clip here because you guys were trying to push it up too early. I'll, I'll let the chat decide. Clip, yes or no? Oh, Sky Moore, rookies and sophomores, 12 round. Do you get the clip? Roll not? the clip, says Hart. If, if the chat wants the clip, they'll get it. This is my, uh, sacrilegious. Are, are you not hearing why he was selected? It's for the debate we're having right now. Oh, he's God, better than man. Alec Pierce. I, did I just get overruled hard? <laughs> yes. yes you did. Oh my God. Look at the chat. The wow. chat is dying more too wise. It's the fucking sickest name I've ever seen for a wide receiver in my goddamn life. Sky's up. Oh, God. Look at that Ken there Burns zoom at the end of that one. Um, oh, yeah. Alec Pierce is still there. Do we like – do we just make this the Pat draft and take Dulcich? Yeah, let's take Greg Dulcich too, man. Yeah. I think um, I'm going to be out on Greg Dulcich this year too. Really? Why? I, I just feel like he was he was uh, Hackett's dude. I, I think Okubanam uh, is like a buy in Dynasty and in everything right now because there's just like some weird reports and rumors that he just – wasn't their guy there, but uh, I think uh, it's gonna you say be buying dynasty means to be picked up off the waiver wire. Is that what you mean? Right, yeah, it's so cheap. <laughs> like, seriously, yes, yeah, stashed. Romeo. Oh my god, it's so beautiful. <laughs> the rare thing is just, 
is just kind of sad now with the hackett like now that we know how much of a don hack it is that's, that's well a but sad. in retrospect it is very it's an indictment of hackett for sure but also <laughs> like pretty clear that he was gonna get playing time from yeah, the, from that reading i mean that was pretty obvious hackett was gonna put him on the field What's can the... I just say that Pat, you snuck one by me because that clip at 44 seconds is way too long. That's a 30. Got one past the goalie. God. Come on, every every highlight in there is fucking gold. Every yeah. single one. Yeah, we got to pick up the pacing. I All right, last Shahid pick here. Shahid had a good rookie year. What do you like think about him, Pat? I'm I'm fine with. It. He was the, the first read data is not very bullish on him. He basically everything he got was on like not first reads. So it's potentially kind of fluky, uh, but his speed's awesome. So I, I'm fine with him. Well, I don't. I mean, that's not fluky. That means he's earning targets outside of first reads, right? So I, the what I was looking at was showing that if that's like all you're doing, then it's a pretty big red flag because it's okay. like that's that's um that's like Robert Foster and like a lot of those guys were like, oh shit, this guy might be something if if the team starts like using him, and then like a lot of time the team doesn't start using him. Got it. For the audio listeners, Kenny Pickett and Sam Howell, Bijan Robinson, Rashad White, and Isaiah Pacheco, JSN, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, Sky Redacted, Alec Pierce, Greg Dolchich, Rashid Shahid, our rookies and sophomores team. Just to finish the point on Shahid, I would say what I'm ta- what I'm talking about is like a reason to be cautious of like chasing him up the board. He's a speed receiver who showed really really impressive efficiency, so I, I don't think it's a reason to like be out entirely i think he's right and rookies in sophomore's draft in the last round yeah yeah totally but i hear what you're saying yeah um yeah those uh, the rookies and sophomore drafts it it does i will say i mean you want to talk about what's the the badge bro slogan of scrolling down you know forgetting unique and knowing how many kind of similar combinations of players like that player pool goes like pretty deep like all the rookie tight ends we were talking about go virtually undrafted um there's lots of stuff you can do, especially with the backup mm. running backs, stuff like that. It does seem like a good contest to get a little weird with some of your late round picks. Um, I like that. BK Muchachi, do a, do a big board draft, son. Some of us have children. Some of us get up <laughs> way too early these days. We're not just out here. I drafted two big board teams on Monday. Close Can't be out here adding time. hour streams. Time will be the coach. It's like... Uh, <laughs> You know how bears, you know, they rest up, they hibernate, you know, for the winter. I mean, we got to get ready for draft season. I mean, we got to take it easy now and rest up for, for the summer. March 1. March I don't 1. feel like we're taking it easy at all. I feel like I'm this yeah, I'm exhausted. My my body clock, it's almost like, you know, you have jet lag, you travel, you, you're like, what is it? What does my body feel like? I think I feel like it's June. Like my body feels like it's June. Like I'm already drafting like a decent amount. Dude, you won and... $2 million a few months ago. Like, yeah, you're pretty stoked this offseason. I mean, I would probably go into the offseason pretty, pretty pretty stoked too. You won two, then you went to freaking. Well, a lot of people should say I should take off. a bunch of time off. I'm saying, I'm saying I'm drafting like it's June. You went fucking scuba diving for two weeks, then you come back all refreshed and you're like, yeah, I'm like the greatest, biggest fantasy football winner of all time. Won the largest pot like in the history of the of the entire hobby. Yeah, off, I feel great right now. No worries <laughs> in life. Two million dollars in the bank account. It feels like June to me. Sun's always <laughs> rising right now. 
How how are you drafting, Pat? If you took all the money off the site, that's really my question. <laughs> the money's still there somehow. I don't I don't get it. Someone's got to wow. explain it to me. The economics are confusing. Goodness, um, Gretch. Any other uh, updates on Omni? I know a lot of my drafts are in the double digit rounds now. Yeah, it's moving. People are drafting. My big update is that on Tuesday we have uh, the UCL, the Champions League round of sixteen. We'll get the first like results of the round of 16, the second legs start on Tuesday. So hoping to have drafts done by then for anyone who's using Champions League, like the Omni Cup and the Ship Chasing Cup. Wednesday is the start of the World Baseball Classic. Same deal if you're using that. That's only a two-week competition. That's going to be done three weeks from now. So this time next week when we're doing a show, I'm hoping all these drafts have wrapped up. So if you're playing Omni these next couple days over the weekend, please be on top of it. Obviously we don't have the notification system. Appreciate anyone staying on top of their picks, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're doing good. The Omni cup is, is cruising, man. Every draft is in the double digits, except I think one, every other draft is in the double digit round. Some are all the way into like round 14 already. So yeah, we're, we're making, making headway. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm at the point of the draft too, where, you know, the first 10 picks, like you can kind of, you're feeling good and then you then it starts to really get into the nitty-gritty yeah yeah but the the one thing i will say the ship chasing cup bigger team uh bigger draft 14 person draft yeah a couple of those are moving slow to start we're gonna have to pick those up a little bit boys and girls all right pick it up you heard it here first ship chasers we got the discord threads for pinging you guys in there let's keep those moving along uh pat anything else on your end Nope, just doing a bunch of rookie stuff, um, which will be dropping in the next couple weeks. So be on the lookout for that in the lab. I saw some people in the chat saying they miss your dynasty content. Are they gonna? Hopefully, you're, they're gonna get. You some will more be dynasty. getting my dynasty content. I uh, I'm gonna have a bunch of very similar to last year with you know the rookie profiles, uh, but I don't think I'll do it uh, exactly like I did last year. But it'd be similar going into the the positive indicators, the red flags statistical comps um for for all the positions all four fantasy relevant positions and uh that'll be that'll start to drop i think not next week but the week after is what i'm targeting there you go there you go uh gretch has had a couple uh good posts up on stealing signals as well it actually spurred there was a lot of good conversation in the ship chasing discord today because leone had also done a pod recently was using some examples about chris olave and josh jacobs and and uh how what lessons we can extrapolate from that so we had a fun conversation in the discord earlier but gretch any other posts on your horizon are you still just in in full omni mode right now no i got i got a list of stuff that i want to write that'll be coming i want to do nice. last year around this time i did a big it was actually like earlier in february a big uh, targets per out run breakdown, just sort of looking team by team at that stat, which is my favorite for for receivers. Um, I'm going to do that in the next like week or a couple weeks. It's it's already kind of behind schedule, awesome. but and then a couple other like sort of strategy sort of related posts. So we'll see. Yeah, some stuff coming. Love it. And I will also plug, I, I started my weekly newsletter last week, the PO box. And I'll, I'll this is what I will tease. Uh, ship chasing fans will enjoy this specific edition on Friday. This one is going to go out to you guys. Uh, even though it's going to go out to everyone, I think you guys will especially appreciate that free newsletter. I think I have it pinned on my Twitter. If you guys want to subscribe to that, 
appreciate all of you guys hanging out in the chat tonight. We'll be here every Wednesday. We'll probably, maybe we'll pick another position, uh, rookie position to, to deep dive on. Wide receivers after, let's we gotta yeah, get to the wide combine. receivers, right? Let's, let's talk wide yeah. receivers after the combine. I mean, that'll be fun. All right. It's a date next Wednesday, 9-15. The three of us, wide receivers, you guys, the chat. And who knows? Maybe another clip. If you have a clip, you can slide into my DM and I will give you notes. Have a wonderful night. We will see you guys next Wednesday. Peace.